This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The following podcast contains audio extracted from videos on the Harry Potter Theory YouTube channel. Hey everyone, welcome to another installment of Harry Potter Theory. Today we'll be discussing 10 myths about the series itself. Since the release of the first Harry Potter novel in June of 1997, the wizarding world of Harry and his friends has continued to expand. What started off as a relatively small magical community that only focused on the United Kingdom grew into a global universe and phenomenon with new and exciting narratives being brought to life in Europe, the Americas, Asia, and Africa. What was once known as Pottermore, a site where fans could go to learn more about the magical world of Harry Potter, became the Wizarding World and grew to include new franchises like Fantastic Beasts and short stories about things like the founding of North American Wizarding School, Ilvermorny School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. So, while at one point in time, over 25 years ago, it may have been somewhat easy to keep the magical constructs that made up the wizarding world of Harry Potter straight, it has since become increasingly difficult to truly know everything about this magical universe. As a result, sometimes even the most devoted fans get details about Harry Potter, well, wrong. And with fan certainty that they are correct, answering queries on Reddit and other web forums, it's not surprising that some of these myths about the series have gained lives of their own and have been circulated around the internet as fact. Which is why, in today's video, I'll be taking you through 10 of the most pervasive myths out there, some of which may even surprise you. Myth 1. Hogwarts acceptance letters arrive on a child's 11th birthday. For some strange reason, many fans around the world believe that if a boy or girl has magical abilities, they will receive their letter of acceptance to a wizarding school on their 11th birthday. This is, in actual fact, wrong. And if you're questioning me here, think about it. While Harry did eventually open his letter of acceptance to Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry on his 11th birthday, that timing was just a happy accident. For, as you may recall, the very first version of his letter of acceptance actually arrived at number 4 Privet Drive weeks before that. And between the delivery of Harry's first letter by post and Rubius Hagrid finally hand-delivering it to him on his birthday, there were many other attempts to deliver duplicates of this same letter. Number 4 Privet Drive was even bombarded by heaps of letters that magically flooded into the Dursleys' home several days before Harry turned 11. So, when do children actually receive their acceptance letter to Hogwarts? Well, as you may have guessed from the timing of Harry's first letter, young witches and wizards typically receive their acceptance letters in August, a couple of weeks before the start of the school year. Myth 2. 
Hogwarts is located in England. While I know this belief to be a myth, I do understand why so many people believe it to be true. Harry is English, his best friends are English, most of his professors are English, heck, even the majority of the characters that we meet at Hogwarts school are indeed English. Combine that with the fact that Hogwarts is unplottable with no known location, at least to us muggles, and it's easy to draw the conclusion that the school's castle is located in England. And yet, it is not. Hogwarts Castle is actually hidden somewhere among the Scottish Highlands, with WizardingWorld.com even confirming the following. Hogwarts was built somewhere in the Scottish Highlands, and concealed with numerous charms and spells to make it impossible for muggles to trespass. There's also the fact that the Hogwarts Express travels through the Scottish Highlands. Trust me, I've seen it. Myth 3. The House Animal of Ravenclaw is a Raven When it comes to the animals of the four houses at Hogwarts, they all seem pretty obvious and straightforward. Gryffindor's animal is a lion, Slytherin's is a serpent, Hufflepuff's is a badger, and Ravenclaw's is… a raven, right? Well, no actually, not right. While the first three houses and their associated animals are correct, the true house animal of Ravenclaw is actually an eagle, chosen for the predatory bird's raven-coloured claws. Unfortunately for purists of the Harry Potter novels, this myth was given some real legs when the films decided to change Ravenclaw's animal from an eagle to a raven, since that's the bird that most people think of when they hear Ravenclaw. Myth 4. Polyjuice Potion Only Changes a Person's Appearance If you're primarily a fan of the Harry Potter movies, the inconsistency of the effects of Polyjuice Potion likely have left you feeling a little confused on the topic. While in the novels, Polyjuice consistently affects the drinker of the potion the same way, it actually varies quite a bit through the movie franchise. In the books, someone who drinks Polyjuice Potion takes on the intended person's appearance, physical capabilities, as well as their voice. What I mean by physical capabilities is, for example, their eyesight or strength. But in the movies, these things change depending on which film you're watching. Take the Polyjuice Potion scene in the film adaptation of The Chamber of Secrets. Harry transforms into Goyle, but unlike in the book, Harry's vision and voice remain the same. Ron also keeps his own voice after transforming into Crab during that same scene in the movies. And yet, later in the series, in The Goblet of Fire, Barty Crouch Jr. impersonates Professor Mad-Eye Moody for the majority of the film using Polyjuice Potion. The notable difference between the effects of Polyjuice Potion here is that Barty Crouch Jr. takes on Mad-Eye's voice and his lack of an eye. Then, in the Deathly Hallows movies, we see the Order of the Phoenix all become Harry, and each keep their own voices, but not their own vision. Harry, Ron, and Hermione also keep their own voices when they break into the Ministry of Magic as Ministry employees. With all of these inconsistencies, it would be rather surprising if people weren't confused about the true effects of Polyjuice Potion. But again, to clarify, it changes everything about you, including your voice and vision. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Myth 5. Hermione is the smartest of the trio Brainy Hermione Granger has quite the reputation for being an incredibly intelligent witch. 
Noted to have been one of the top students in her year at Hogwarts, with her head very often stuck in a book, there's no doubt that Hermione is a smart person, and yet, I wouldn't necessarily classify her as the smartest out of herself, Harry, and Ron, or the trio, if you will. Of course, she is definitely the most well read, but both Harry and Ron bring an intelligence of their own to the trio. On more than one occasion, we see the boys rise to the challenge and figure a way out of dangerous situations, while Hermione stands stunned somewhere nearby. Take, for instance, the fact that it was actually Ron who figured out how to escape from the Devil's Snare and the Philosopher's Stone, as Hermione panicked beside him. Myth 6 Ron is actually quite stupid. While we unpacked this a little in the previous myth, the idea that Ron Weasley is actually a big dum dum is one myth that really bums me out. That said, for fans who are mostly invested in the movies, I get it. The films really do portray Ron as a bit of a buffoon, but in the novels, he's actually quite a smart wizard. He knows loads about wizarding culture and is often a resource to Harry and Hermione on this topic, even teaching Harry how to play wizard's chess, a rather intellectual board game. Ron also consistently receives similar grades to Harry at school, which essentially means that he's just as book smart as the famous and talented boy who lived. And did I mention that he got the trio out of that devil's snare in the Philosopher's Stone? Myth 7 Hogwarts is the only co-ed school in the Triwizard Tournament Alas, yet another myth perpetuated by the films is that the Northern European Durmstrang Institute and French Beaubaton Academy of Magic are single-gendered schools. That is, many fans incorrectly assume that Durmstrang is an all-wizarding school and Beaubaton only accepts witches. This couldn't be further from the truth, as both educational institutions admit both witches and wizards. The reason for this incorrect assumption seems to be a direct result of the fact that in the Goblet of Fire film, Durmstrang arrives at Hogwarts with a gaggle of wizards, while Beaubaton dances in with a fleet of witches. In the novel, however, the attendees from each school are two much smaller co-ed groups of hand-selected witches and wizards. Myth 8 Bad wizards cannot cast Patronuses In the Prisoner of Azkaban, we're introduced to the Patronus Charm, a spell that is performed by mustering all of your most positive memories and feelings. Although incredibly difficult to cast, once performed correctly, the Patronus Charm results in a positive energy force that resembles an animal that is unique to each and every witch or wizard. These silvery projections are called Patronuses, and they are the only known defense against the likes of Dementors and Letherfolds. And while it's true that in order to properly and effectively cast a Patronus Charm, a witch or wizard needs to conjure positive emotions, it does not mean that the caster needs to be inherently good. This myth is also likely the result of it being a form of defense against dark forces, like Dementors. However, that does not exclude the charm from being a spell that dark witches and wizards can use. After all, just because a person is evil doesn't mean they don't have happy memories that they can leverage to cast a Patronus. Just take Dolores Umbridge, for example. She's an insane person who tortures students and sympathizes with Death Eaters, yet she very clearly casts a strong Patronus charm in the form of a Persian cat. Why? Because she has many good memories of her fulfilling her duty, even if her duty is contemplating using the Cruciatus Curse on a student. Myth 9 Draco is not a bully, but a victim Once again, we have a rather clear division of opinion between those who prefer the Harry Potter novels to those who prefer the films. In this case, the differing opinions are in regard to the infamous Slytherin student, Draco Malfoy. 
While it's likely that no one would object to the fact that Malfoy started off his time at Hogwarts as a big meanie, there are many, the majority of which are fans of the movies, who claim that he actually became a victim near the end of the series, leaving behind his once petty ways of bullying others. Now, I suppose the argument around this particular sentiment would be that he's given an impossible task by Voldemort, presumably targeted for his father's inadequacies as a Death Eater. The task he's given is to kill Professor Albus Dumbledore, a task that many believe to be a suicide mission. Now, as Dumbledore was one of the most feared wizards of his time, having been the only one strong enough to defeat the dark wizard Gellert Grindelwald, it is almost laughable to think of Draco Malfoy attempting to assassinate him. And yet, I really don't think that's enough to view him as the victim. After all, Draco was fully planning to go through with trying to murder Dumbledore, remember his elaborate plan with the vanishing cabinets? And while we can't know for sure what would have happened if Severus Snape hadn't stepped in and taken out Albus instead, at Dumbledore's request mind you, it seems quite plausible that Draco would have at least tried to kill him. Why? Because he's a narcissist who will do anything to survive. Of course, if you ask a fan of the films, they'd likely disagree and point to the movie adaptation's redemption arc that was given to Draco, which made little sense, at least in my opinion. Myth 10. The Resurrection Stone Brought Harry Back to Life The tenth and final myth that we'll be covering today is the idea that Harry didn't die after being hit for the second time by one of Voldemort's killing curses because he possessed the Resurrection Stone. Now, there's a fair bit to unpack here. First of all, when Harry was struck down by the Dark Lords of Arda Kedavra in the Forbidden Forest, he no longer had the Resurrection Stone in his possession. He had used it to see his deceased loved ones in order to find the courage to face Voldemort and sacrifice himself. Once he had communicated with his dead family and friends, he tossed the stone aside and it dropped to the forest floor, never to be seen again. Secondly, the Resurrection Stone, one of the three Deathly Hallows, is unable to fully bring a person back to life from the dead. As the legend goes, when the Resurrection Stone is used to bring someone back from death, they return only as a shadow of their former selves, separated from the living by a sort of veil. Therefore, even if Harry had possessed the stone when he was hit by the killing curse, it would have been impossible for it to bring him fully back to life. And Harry was pretty clearly fully alive when he woke up in the Forbidden Forest after returning from what some have called Limbo. Finally, the real reason Harry was able to come back to life was due to the pit of Voldemort's soul that had been residing in his body since he was an infant. When he was struck by the Dark Lord's curse, the spell killed the partial soul living inside Harry and left the rest of him untouched. At that point, he was able to make a choice whether or not to return to the land of the living or move on into death. He, of course, chose to come back. And with that, we've come to the end of another video. What did you think? What are some myths about Harry Potter that drive you crazy? Please share your thoughts in the comments below. And as always, if you enjoyed this video, don't forget to like it and subscribe to the channel. Also, be sure to check out the content on Spotify, as well as extra content on my second channel, Harry Potter Theory Extra. Until next time, remember, it does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live.